You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. You're listening to the Athletic Equestrian Riding in College podcast. I'm your podcast host, Sally Batten, and I spent over 35 years coaching collegiate equestrian teams. This podcast is supported in part by the Interscholastic Equestrian Association, now celebrating 20 years of providing competitive opportunities to thousands of youth riders in hunt seat, western, and dressage. Give your rider a leg up into collegiate equestrian sport without the need to own a horse. Membership for the 2022-2023 IEA season will open in June. For more information, visit rideiea.org or follow IEA on social media at rideiea. Welcome back, everyone, to the Athletic Equestrian Riding in College podcast. I'm your podcast host, Sally Batten. And uh, I hope that you've all been listening and know that I have been interviewing collegiate coaches and riders and organizations. And today I'm talking to a coach. I'm talking to Sherry Cashman, who is the head coach of the United States Military Academy, which is in West Point, New York. And I wanted to talk to her because everyone's always very intrigued about how it works. Um, And in addition, back when I was at Centenary, I was in uh, USMA's region. So I I know a little bit about it from there. But Sherry and her husband, Peter, who is the IHSA executive director, so you may have heard him on a past podcast, they have coached the team since 1986. Sherry grew up riding and the summer before college found Sherry at the thoroughbred tracks, hot walking, grooming, and exercising the ponies. And uh, Sherry went to SUNY Delhi, but then uh, discovered a program in Kentucky. And we'll hear about that later. And then spent a lot of time breaking and racing harness horses, which I also think is very cool. So welcome Sherry to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Sally. It's a pleasure. So let's start out um, talking about USMA, just to say it short, shorter. So the United States Military Academy. It's also sometimes yes. called West Point. So listeners, you might hear us kind of interchange those names. But it's just such a, a unique um, team. And, and there are, I think there are maybe a couple of Naval academies and, you know, there maybe are a couple other military type academies in the ISSA. Yes, Yes? there are. I, they do not have as a consistent of a team presence as, as we do. Um, over the years, we've had had inter-academy competitions between, at various times, Navy or Coast Guard or Air Force. Oh, fun. Um, in, in fact, we did have one last spring, which was the first one we've had in probably seven years. Yeah. And that was a lot of fun. A lot of camaraderie, a lot of fun getting all these cadets from different academies together. Um, so it was a very successful, fun show. Yeah. And may I add that we won. <laughs> all right. You so, may add. Um, yes. 
So our our cadets, um, when they beat a service academy, get to uh, wear various colored stars on their uniform, um, oh. representing uh, winning a competition against one of those other um, service academies. So yeah, they oh. very proudly have their stars. So that was that was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. That, that is so cool and 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 so great that. Uh, equestrian you know that riding can be recognized to that point where they get to wear an outward symbol on their uniform yes. i mean that's huge it it is and they're very proud of it um we are a small team um well if you consider 20 um up to 20 cadets we can keep on the team which is smaller than some of the other schools like centenary who might have 60 or yeah. so yeah um if not more um, but we, we are unique in this respect. Like we cannot, we do not recruit, um, okay. West Point will not allow us to recruit, uh, potential cadets have to find us. Right. And, and they usually do through word of mouth. Um, and then to find us, um, every year after what's known as beast for cadets coming in where they have a very rigorous training out in the fields uh, before the start of the academic year we have what's known as club night and every competitive team hobby team um, core squad team all have representation where uh, cadets from all years plebes up till firsties uh, that's freshmen through seniors can come up and talk to coaches and cadets and see what um, what they're interested in. And then they mm -hmm. sign up um, at, to try out. And then every team, you know, sets up their own uh, dates and times for trying out for their various sport. Okay. So what does that, what does that look like? And explain your facility. Is it government owned? Do you and Peter own it? Explain, explain uh, where wish. you ride. <laughs> What's that? I wish. I wish. Uh, um, when we first got here, thirty, almost thirty-seven years ago, uh -huh. um, there there is a barn that is still in existence, um, like a hundred yards from our house. We do live on the farm, um, and it's a very very old facility. It used to be a an old cow barn um, that has been renovated, and that was home for many years. Uh, we only had, we had an outdoor ring down there and two outdoor rings um, about a quarter mile up the road okay. um, on the same property that we would ride at. So as you can imagine, uh, rain and sleet, snow, whatever, we always had right. to cancel riding. Right. So we fortunately had just... It's this coming April will be two years that we're in our brand new facility. Um, those of you that are friends with me on Facebook have probably seen me post a number of pictures about it. It's been um, a huge advantage uh, for us now. We get to ride year round. Um, we can go right from the stalls right into the ring. It, it's just a blessing that we're very grateful for all the donors that have helped to make this uh, become a reality. So okay, it's a, so it's so great. so you and Peter own the farm, but oh no, 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 no. no. it's 
No, West Point owns the whole facility. They oh, own okay. our house. Okay. They own okay. the barn, the property. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. 240 Wait. acres. Oh here. my gosh. So you so you did a, a fundraising campaign and raised the funds for the new facility? Well, we personally uh did not because as government employees, right. Um, we are not allowed to solicit for funds. Right. right. So there is an association, the Association of Graduates. And that organization does all the fundraising for various projects on West Point. Okay. So they are the ones that, you know, went out and solicited all the uh, the funding for this project. Wow, that's so great. So so um, describe the facility now, the new one. Oh boy, it's, um, well, we have 23 stalls. Um, it's like two wings. Um, yep. connected by a, a long aisleway. And in that aisleway are three wash stalls um, that, well, we're very excited. We have hot and cold water now. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. Um, and each side has a tack room. Um, and then off of each wing, you can go right into the indoor. Um, and it's, um, we have it set up. We kind of blocked off one area so we can have we have a lesson program here as well so lessons could go on at the same time as i'm teaching the cadets on the other side okay um and that worked out well so we have our team horses up here we have our lesson horses up here which we do use uh, for the team as well right not being used for lessons yeah and um peter and i also train the uh, army mules and their riders so we have those as well okay take a little pause explain what that means and what they do okay um with the army mules uh, we have two now and we have um four cadets known as mule riders and one representation from each year um a firsty uh and then down a cow, a yearling, and a plebe. Um, we need just one from each class. Okay. And the mules attend all home football games that are obviously here on West Point. Um, we do take them to various ceremonies um, on the academy. Um, sometimes we will go, like if somebody's requesting um, their presence at, for a parade or something, or uh, some kind of organization is having a dedication. We, we try and accommodate them as well. Uh, we do not go to away games only right. because, you know, they're quite a distance. But we do take one mule to the Army-Navy game, which is coming up December 10th. Wow. So we do take uh, Paladin to that. And, and um, these mules must be bomb-proof. They're getting there. Um, you know, it's a lot of time, a lot of work, a lot yeah. of energy getting them ready. Um, we purchase them as we do our horses. Um, you know, Peter and I look for them. And when we find a prospective one, um, we ask that we have a trial period because it is a, you know, requires a special mule to be able to tolerate yeah. cannons going off and parades yeah. and yeah. helicopters flying overhead. Yeah. So, um, and, and, Paladin, th and thousands of, uh, of whooping and hollering, uh, cadets, right? <laughs> screaming. 
yeah, yeah. and we're like right there on on the field so it's wow. yeah, it's a challenge yeah so uh paladin he's definitely um been a trooper and has been wonderful in his job and we recently acquired uh this past year ranger ranger four to be exact and he has attended one game so far and we're you know getting him used and acclimated to this type of lifestyle it's a job that you cannot prepare for you, yeah you, know, yeah, you have right. to work into it slowly and uh, so he's been making great progress and, and is there a historical significance to the mules is it related to that they were used in times of war or or is it yes. the, the school mascot what is it it is it is the army mascot um, okay. actually so it's you know it, the entire army has uh, the mule as their mascot and okay. um, yeah so it's very special and unique to west point um all the service academies have their own special mascot like yeah. uh, um you know navy has their goats and air force has their <laughs> hawks so it's uh yeah we got the mules <laughs> <laughs> okay so so now carry on with your facility and and what you do there Talk a little bit too. I want to get to the team in a minute, but talk about your lesson program. So is that is that community lessons or is that just cadets that aren't on the equestrian team? And um, West Point is co-ed, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. So, so now I'll finish talking about your facility and also the community program. Okay. Um, so the lesson program we have, um, we do give lessons to children through adults that oh, want okay. to learn how to ride. Um, okay. It um, doesn't have to be military related. Civilians are welcome to participate in that as well. Okay. Um, but we're not a, a huge lesson program. We're not a big show barn. Right. Um, so, you know, we do do some local shows here and there, but um, most of them are, are newer level entry riders at this point so we okay. you know, we have a pretty good program with that um the cadets just ride with us um if they're on the team and um so we use our team horses and like i said earlier we use the lesson horses um when not being used for that program and and how many are on the team and how many try out or how many try out and how many make the team well, how many make the team depends on how many spots we can right. fill. It truly depends on how many graduate um, and cadets, you know, they might decide they want to try something else besides riding, um, which is quite understandable. Um, so it, it varies. Well, normally we have spots for anywhere from four to nine. Um, each year, because we can right. keep 20, we're allowed 20 on the team because right. um, each cadet is uh, permitted to get what's known as full authorizations, which means their place of duty every afternoon is here at the barn to practice. Oh. Okay. Um, they are not allowed to miss practice unless they run it by um, myself or Peter, and it has to be a good excuse why they are not here. Right. Uh, so it's not something they can randomly decide, I want to come or I don't. Yeah. So they, they do have to be here. Um, the selection process, like I was mentioning it uh, earlier about that club night, uh, we can have up to 
we've had up to 60 cadets sign up to want to try out. Wow. Um, yeah, it, it's a process and not all 60 show up. Yeah. We have a three day period to do tryouts. Yeah. And as practice is the cadets arrive at approximately 4.30 in the afternoon and depart approximately 6.15, it doesn't give us a lot of time. Right. So the tryouts are rather quick, but honestly, once somebody is on a horse for 30 seconds, you kind of have an idea. You can tell. Whether- <laughs> you, can tell. <laughs> you, you do know. Um, but. As, as you are well aware in the intercollegiate, we do have those uh, walk trot levels. Yep. So we have numerous times taken cadets that have maybe been on a horse once or twice. Yeah. Um, and there obviously there is a need for that level rider. Right. Um, and, you know, it, it doesn't take that long. Like, like I just said, like, for example, one year, quite a number of years ago, um, we had a cadet try out. Brent, I don't know if he'd ever been on a horse before. Mm. And he got on and he's walking and trotting. The next thing he knew, he fell off. Oh. And he got up and was smiling and laughing and like, <laughs> okay, let, let's let's just do this again. Yeah. And he got on and he listened very well. And um, you know, we decided, you know what, this this kid's got a great attitude. So we took him. <laughs> oh, that's great. And, um, and he, you know, stayed on the team and little sidebar there the same year, um, another female cadet tried out. And then the, this, these two um, ended up upon graduation, getting married. Oh, I love and, it. I had um, a couple, I have a couple like that from, from, isn't that crazy from the nineties, I think, or early two thousands and they're married and have a couple kids. I love it. Yep. These two. And yep. what's really kind of funny is that if it wasn't for the teen, they would never have met because yeah. all four years, they never had a class together. Oh, that's so, so great. It, um, yeah, that, that was I kind of a it. fun thing. So I love we're it. always grateful that we took Nick because he fell off and we gave him a second chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so um, talk about your, uh, what they wear, because back in the day at Centenary, they had to wear their, I think their full dress uniform. And then I think through the years, that's kind of changed, right? Yes, um, we... Did, it wasn't actually their actual uniform, but it was the jacket that was modified oh, um, that okay. Peter and I helped to design uh, oh. um, to give a bit of a military flair. And, you know, as years go by and styles change and we decided it just wasn't fair to these kids to have to wear such a bulky, uncomfortable uniform. So we right. had to come and, up and with something. Just, I'm to sorry? Descri- just to describe it, it's it's almost... And 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 this is how I remember how I remember it. It's like it was gray wool with like piping or trim, and it was yep. it was quite long. It was a long jacket, yes. like brass buttons up the front. So it definitely looked very different from traditional show attire. It it did, and um, and it was extremely uncomfortable <laughs> to yeah. ride in. It, yeah, it didn't um, really give. Yeah, it it did not, and. Um, so we convinced the academy that we needed to get the cadets up to par. And so they did permit us. Now we are 
almost traditional. I mean, we, we do wear gray britches, okay. um, but a black show jacket and it has um, gray piping to match the britches. So oh, okay. it's more in line to what everybody else is wearing and um, definitely more comfortable. Yeah. And it, it seems to have worked out a lot better yeah. um, for, you know, for riding yeah. uh, appearances. And um, uh, what is the what is the percentage or, or rough numbers of men versus women? Because almost like almost the entire IHSA is, uh, you know, it's like ninety nine point five percent women. So how does it work on your team? You must have many more men. Um, this year we've had six, which is actually a high number for us. Uh, when we first got here in eighty six. The majority of the team uh, was men, um, right? And then over the years, it it kind of fluctuated. Um, we've always had one or two um, men on the team, um, but this year we do have six, which um, has been very nice, um, you know, for for us. And um, wait, six six because you went out a little bit. Got, I'm sorry, six guys we have on the on the team. Oh, right so now, it is mo- it is mostly women, huh? Yes, it still is. Yep. Wow. Yep, it still is. Yes. But um the, the, the guys seem to be enjoying it more and more. I'm not yeah. sure if it's so they can meet girls on the other teams. Yeah. Um yeah. but right. uh you know, these uh it took a while for some of these guys to get used to the fact of wearing the britches. That was yeah. uh yeah. a deterrent for I'm for sure. some of the guys. But I'm sure. um yeah. And um how many uh oh geez, I totally oh no no. You have both hunt seat and western, is that right? We did do Western for a number of years. Um, actually, when my daughters were going to Centenary, right, right. Um, they we did Western back then, um, and um, we totally enjoyed it. But yeah, you have to have at least three, as you know, colleges to participate, and it was very difficult. It was basically us Centenary and Drew back in the day, right. Um, and then when Drew backed out, it was just us in Centenary. So we kind of joined another region, right. another zone, I should say. Right. And the traveling just got to be too much with our uh, hunt seat schedule. Okay. So we did step back from the Western um, yeah. temporarily, I'd like to say. And eventually we would like to get back into it. I yeah. know uh, the coaches in Centenary and I, you know, you know, we both have a lot of kids that would be very interested in it. Right. Um, but again, time, time is the factor there. Right. So right. if we right. can get three schools in our region, we would consider. Got it. Re- entering that again. Yeah. And you, so we know that you're in the same region as Centenary. What, what is yeah. your zone and region and what are some of the other teams in your region? Um, we have Marist and uh, SUNY New Paul's, Fasser. Drew, um, and I believe, well, William Patterson was, they stepped out. So there's seven of us okay. um, at the moment. You know, and Sarah what, Lawrence is another one. Yeah. What zone and region are you? We're zone three, region three. Okay. 
And um, do you ever have riders who have had a lot of USEF, USHJA? Like, do you ever get those Metal McClay kids that come to USMA? Not really. Um, yeah. If, if somebody is looking to ride um, in college they, and they are a rider, I mean, obviously they're not looking at West Point. Right. Um, we do right. have a few. We've had we've had a few okay. um, at that level who have come. But you have to remember, we are so unique. If if someone's looking to come to West Point, it's not because they want to further their riding career. No, I get it. Um, yeah. They're coming to be an officer in the Army. Yeah. And. And, uh, one of our future leaders so it's a, it's very different um right. for for cadet and um they they are definitely on a different path than the students say at centenary and i use centenary a lot because i mean i, I love yeah. them to death and yeah. you know it's our, where where randy and shelby went yeah so um yeah they're kind of close to my heart as well <laughs> yeah yeah got it and now let let's um Let's talk about you a little bit, because you do have a unique background with all the the kind of racing stuff. So kind of crazy, so, right? I yeah. Guess. So so talk uh, about talk about your background and how you got started doing that, and then you know up to how you ended up at at uh, West Point. Well, I, for whatever reason, I don't. I mean, I'm a city girl. And um, yeah, you grew up in Brooklyn, course. which I could have guessed well, like, by your accent. Ah. <laughs> yeah, um, well, Brooklyn, I that's where I was born. My my parents were born in Brooklyn, um, wow. but then we uh, lived in Howard Beach, which borders Brooklyn, so it's right okay. there. Okay. Um, so you know, but we lived to right next, not next to, but very close to Aqueduct Race Track. So, okay, seeing seeing the belt parkway and go watching those trailers back and forth you know it's just the horse bug just somehow hooked me yeah from such an early age um my parents still could not understand it um but um you know finances pro prohibited me from having the lessons and the horses that i wanted every year for hanukkah right. all i wanted was a pony right. um but of course that never happened yeah um I had more briar horses than than dolls. If not, I don't even remember having it. Maybe I had two dolls. I don't know. Um, and then we moved out to Long Island when I was 13, the summer I was 13, um, because my my dad was a cop in the city and knowing what the city schools were like at that time, um, it was time to move. So we moved out to Long Island and I went to high school out there and I was found out, of, well, I was offered a program because I fought for it. They only took two students um, from certain high schools in the area where you can spend half of the day um, with your regular academics and half the day at um, a farm, which happened to be the Thomas School of Horsemanship um, in Melville, Long Island. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So every day, five days a week, um, we would get on the bus, me and this other girl, and get shipped over there and um, have a three-part day where we would ride and then we would do the barn work, you know, not so much cleaning stalls, but hands-on wrapping, right. you know, learning right. about the horses, you know, basic horse care. 
Yeah. Um, and then we did the classroom work as well. It was, it was incredible. Yeah. And I loved it. And um, that's so, pretty, that's pretty unique. It was very unique. I do yeah. not think that program exists anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was, it was great. So that class from Thomas's, we had a graduation get together, which was to go to Belmont racetrack, which was very close to us. And of course it happened to be the day of the Belmont stakes. And um, so we were just beyond excited to go and get to see Secretariat um, oh that day. Yeah. Um, I'm really dating myself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um, so we're with the class and um, me and a friend, we thought we would be kind of sneaky and kind of walked away from the rest of the class. And at Belmont, they have these little, like little bungalows that the big owners of the big horses uh, would spend time right. before their races. So we figured out where Penny Tweedy was <laughs> and uh, we were really gutsy. So we ran I was up gonna say. Up to the door. I know, yeah. I can't believe I did this. And we knock on her door and uh, she opens it and we introduced ourselves and we thought she was going to say like, go away. Get out. And um, she actually took us into the barn and introduced us to Secretariat. Oh Raven my God. We were dying. Did you and get then, to, um, did you get to touch him? Did you get to I, pet him? I want to say I did. Uh, I, I mean, it was a long time ago, but uh, I want to say I did. So wow. Sherry, next time I see you, I need your autograph. it was it was it was really very special um so then we're walking of course we thanked her a million times and wished her luck and we walk out of the barn you know they had the chain across at the end so you can't walk in and by that point the rest of our class saw us and they're like oh can we go can we go and they're like no (laughs) oh my gosh that's so great so that was yeah that was a fun time for uh a nice graduation present for yes. us. Yeah. Yeah. So after that, um, before college, you know, at the summer, you know, I, I worked at the, at the track, the thoroughbred tracks and right. um, home was at Belmont. And then we would ship over to Aqueduct or we shipped to Mammoth to do some racing. Wow. Um, and, um, and then actually a few of us that summer, that same summer, we actually, got done with work early very early and drove up to Saratoga to watch Secretariat race again and that was the only time he got beat we got him um we watched him get beat by onion so um yeah anyway that was all that same summer and uh and then school and then um at Delhi where I majored in equine science um I uh my professor's where we were just talking and I'm like, I just felt like I wasn't getting all the horse knowledge that I really wanted. Right. And he told me about this program, um, the Kentucky Equine Educational Program. And in Lexington, it was held at the horse park, which was wow. way before the horse park is what it is now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so to get into that program, you had to be a Kentucky resident. And, um, and they assured me though, if I 
moved down there and got set up and, you know, they would, they would take me. So God bless my parents, drove me down there, um, helped me get an apartment, get a car, um, couldn't figure out why their Jewish daughter wanted to do this and not be a teacher or a doctor or whatever, but they 150% supported me. I, um, I'll never forget the day they, they left. And I like, I didn't know a soul in Kentucky yeah, and yeah. Um, it was a little lonely. I felt for a bit, but um, I got a job and I was working on a bunch of breeding farms and um, right. helping to break and get yearlings ready for sales. And yeah. so it was a wonderful experience and going to school down there. Yeah. And um, which was a phenomenal experience. Yeah. And um and then towards the end of the program, um, randomly, a trainer uh, from the harness industry had uh, come down and he wanted to see what the program was about. And he ended up you know, talking to the professors down there and said, you know what, he might be interested in um, hiring uh, somebody to go work on his farm up in New Egypt. New Jersey. Mm. And they spoke to me about it um, because I just had my first um, experience with standard breeds there because we, and that in Kentucky, we touched on all breeds. Yeah. And I had my first experience um, jogging horses and I fell in love with it because I knew I was too big to be a jockey, which is my first thought. So I. And and too big, too big, Sherry, you are a tiny human being. Well, thank you for that, Sally. Too, too tall, that. maybe. But uh, I have to work at it. Um, <laughs> so, but I loved the idea of driving and training your same horse instead of just standing at the rail with a watch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I could be behind my horse and get to know them. Yeah. So anyway, um, the, the trainer, Sunny Dancer, hired me. And when I finished school, I packed up in Kentucky and moved to New Jersey and wow. um, worked on the dancer farm. Yeah. The dancers are one of the biggest names in um, harness racing industry. Yeah. And um, so um, really got a really good whole foothold into the racing world uh, with them. And um, being the person who I was, I knew with family ahead of me, I wasn't really going to move up in the ranks too much right so i packed myself up and went back uh, to new york and went to uh roosevelt raceway and got myself a job uh with a trainer there uh by the name of robert rayner uh he was in need of a groom and i started with him and you know as time went on i was with him for many years um, went from grooming to helping him train. He made right. me his uh, head trainer and then he helped give me horses to drive. I was able to get my license. Uh, so I, I drove a lot of qualifying races um, in New York. Qualifying races are to get horses qualified to be able to race at those particular racetracks. Yeah. They had to go at a certain time uh, to qualify. Um, and then uh, he was busy in New York, so I would take horses to Freehold in New Jersey or Monticello up north in New York and race horses there for him. Um, and it was wonderful time, wonderful experiences, got to meet a yeah. lot of great people, a lot of fun. 
Yeah. Um, and then fast forward a little bit. So you, so you meet Peter and then how yeah. did, how did you make the jump from, you know, harness racing to, to that? Yeah. To, to where point? we are now. Yeah. Well, um, when I, after, when I was with, uh, Bob racing horses, um, one of the owners said he really wanted to start racing babies and breaking babies and buying them and breaking okay. them in Florida. So that was my next path. And we, I moved to Florida for the winters, just for the winters and bring the babies up north and race in the yeah. summer up the North Circuit. So in Florida, I met Peter, um, who I have known from our track right. know, run-ins up, up in North as well. So it wasn't yeah. a stranger to meet him in florida yeah and uh, we had more time together we had the same friends we frequented the same places um and we just started dating down there um he had his stable i had mine um and um eventually we decided you know what we need to get married and combine our stables and that's what we did. And uh, Florida was no longer because most of our owner, or owners uh, preferred racing up north. Okay. So we stayed up north. And, you know, at this point, we're thinking, you know, maybe we need to start thinking about having a family. Yeah. But, you know, we were moving every six months from yeah. track to track. Yeah. And yeah. not very conducive to family yeah. life. Got it. So um, we were trying to think of a different path. And ironically my dad happened to be looking at these jobs and he goes look west point is looking for a farm manager uh, perfect. And like, like okay whatever we'll try yeah. and the rest was history we've been here oh, ever since great. just yep and raised all our kids right here on the farm yeah um, yeah that's how my kids grow up grew up it was awesome the best thing farm yeah. life was the best thing for them yeah so they they literally grew up in the barn <laughs> yeah yeah and I know that you're super busy at the barn but what do you what do you like to do besides your job and the horses <laughs> that is my life um of course my kids yeah um and now the grandkids um, okay right. are you know beyond special and right. just it's a really special time getting to spend time with them um but everybody's schedules are crazy and my yeah. son and the grandkids just moved to West Virginia a yeah. few months ago. So, um, you know, I don't get to see them quite as often. Um, right. But, you know, if I'm not with them or not with the kids, then more than likely I'm with my dogs or in the right. barn while right. Peter's at the right. golf course. <laughs> yes. Your, your cute little, little teacup dog that you carry around in a little pouch. Everybody knows her. If they've been to nationals, you've met Piper and my yeah. region knows her. She goes to every horse show. That's the right. other two we don't take. Uh, we have a Great Dane and an Irish Wolfhound. And, oh, you're um, kidding me. That's no, the pack. That it is. They're not as easy as yeah. or as portable as uh, Piper. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. That's funny. Well, um, thank you, Sherry. Thanks so much for being on the podcast and a pleasure. for sharing everything about USMA. The British Horse Society Intensive Certification Program is recognized in 35 countries worldwide. Pursue your international certification at Stony Burnham Equestrian Center located in historic Greenfield, Massachusetts. The Stony Burnham Equestrian Center is the only British Horse Society approved center in New England. 
The rigorous program begins each fall for students aged 17 and above who are interested in earning their international trainer's passport, qualifying them for equestrian careers locally, regionally, and globally. Learn more at stonelyburnhamschoolorg backslash equestrian. Thank you for listening to the Athletic Equestrian Podcast. If you'd like more information on this podcast or any of our other podcasts, you can contact me at athleticequestrian at gmail.com. This podcast was produced by Jack Boyata and the music is by Kitcher.